Good morning. I am so glad that Tom spoke earlier in the service. Otherwise, I would be up here with tears on my message. So it gave me a little time to wipe my eyes and kind of get prepared for this. Uh, thank God for the great testimony that Tom had this morning. This morning, we're going to take a look at a passage in 1 John. The heading in my Bible for this passage is Children of God. So I have titled today's message, Am I a Child of God or Do I Just Think I Am? The reason I picked this passage today is because I'm afraid that there may be some people here this morning who think or believe that they are a child of God but they are not sure. If push came to shove, the truth is they hope that they are a child of God, but they're not 100% sure. And then there may be some here today who think in their minds that they are a child of, child of God, but the sad reality is that they're not. Not because I say so, but because God's word and their actions in their life indicate that they're not. My desire this morning is to help anyone who may be struggling to answer that question, am I a child of God? I want you to be able to do so with complete certainty and without doubt. I don't want anyone to leave here today being deceived either by themselves or by Satan into believing or thinking that they're a child of God when in fact everything in their life indicates that they're not. This morning I will attempt to walk us through 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, through chapter 3, verse 10. If you would, please turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. It's found on page 1022 of your pew Bibles. Please follow along as I read. Starting in verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Verse 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who, who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. 
For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Point number one, God's children abide in Jesus and practice righteousness. God's children abide in Jesus and practice righteousness. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Right off the bat, we see that there is a qualifier that has been put in place to be one of God's children. You see, not everyone is a child of God. Now, you may ask the question, now, wait a minute, Mark. God has created everything. So that means he's automatically the father of everything, and therefore, he's my father, and I'm his child. Yes, God has created everything, and he has created all of us. John 1.3 tells us that God created everything, and nothing was created that wasn't created by him. But not all of God's creations are his children. There is a big difference between being created by God and being a child of God. So how do we know if we're a child of God? We are a child of God if we abide in Jesus. That's what verse 28 tells us. So the question is, what does abide in Jesus mean? It means to be in Jesus or to remain in Jesus. Maybe I can use marriage as an example this morning to help clarify my point. There are some who are married and they are just going through the motions. Then there are others who are married that are fully committed to that marriage. They are in the marriage. You could say that they are abiding in the marriage. So how does someone know if they're abiding in Jesus? You will know that you're abiding in Jesus because the decision you've made, the conscious decision to follow Jesus has an effect on you and the life you live. Abide in Jesus and you will fend off the practice of sinning. Abide in Jesus and you will fend off the practice of sinning. Your life now has become a model after Christ. What is important to Jesus is now important to you. Abiding in Jesus also means that by faith, you have made a conscious decision to follow the commands of Jesus and to allow these commandments to transform your life. This takes place as we apply Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. The apostle Paul writes the following. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
Paul is saying that daily you need to present yourself to God and tell him, not my desires, but yours. Not my will, but your will be done. Use me and work through me today, O Lord. You also need to recognize how easily you can fall into the trappings of this world and slowly be led away from the teachings of Jesus and start to be changed by society and its ever-changing values. Verse 2 tells us how to fight against that happening to us. It says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, which means allowing your mind to be changed and molded by God's word daily. Another way we know if we're abiding in Jesus is the way in which we persist or pursue our relationship with him. Your relationship with Jesus has become the number one priority in your life. It's a priority in your life when things are going good. It's a priority in your life when things are going bad. It is by faith that you came to Jesus. And it is by that faith that you will persevere. Because of that faith, you will stay the course. You will pursue your relationship with Jesus no matter what's happening in your life. As we look back at verse 29... It talks about practicing righteousness. So what does practice right, practicing righteousness mean? There are many ways to practice righteousness, but the main way we practice righteousness is by placing our faith and trust in the person and the works of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to forgive our sins and to restore us to, to God. And that faith changes our lives and our actions. We also practice righteousness by obeying him, and following his commandments, by loving those who are unlovable, by caring about the things that God cares about. I'm not talking about just doing righteous deeds, but I am talking about a pattern of righteous living in honor of God. You may ask, what's the difference? The difference is where your heart is when you're doing what God has called you to do. Are you doing it with a pure heart or are you doing it out of your own motives? Or are you doing it out of a love for God? Remember, God knows your heart. Notice that John makes a stark contrast in this passage between the practice of righteousness and the practice of sinning. John is not talking about individual deeds, but a pattern of living. So why do we abide in Jesus and practice righteousness? Verse 28 tells us, and now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. I want you to notice the correlation between Jesus' return in this verse and when God visited Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. When God came to visit Adam and Eve in the garden and after they had sinned, uh, after they had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and sinned, they were afraid and they hid from him. This had never happened before. They had never been afraid or hid from God. So what happened? For the sin happened and for the first time, Adam and Eve was ashamed and hid from God. But notice in verse 28, that when Jesus returns, he doesn't want God's children to be afraid or ashamed. So we are told how to avoid that shame and that fear when Jesus returns. 
Verse 28 clearly states, and if we abide in him and practice righteousness, then when Jesus returns and appears in the clouds, we can have confidence that we are God's children and not shrink from him in shame. So we've just talked about how God's children abide in Jesus and practice righteousness. Now we're going to talk about what God's children don't do. Let's move on to point number two. God's children don't practice sinning. God's children don't practice sinning. Please look with me at chapter three, verse four. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning. Did you catch that? Everyone who makes a practice of sinning. That means you've made a conscious decision to be disobedient to God. You have decided that you will do what you want no matter what God says. You've decided that your will and your desires are more important than God's will and his desires for your life. Verse 5 tells us, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. 1 Timothy 1.15 tells us, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Jesus came to, take, came to save sinners and to take away sin. How does sin affect my relationship with God? Sin separates us from God. As seen with Adam and Eve, instead of us desiring a close and intimate relationship with God, sin causes us to run and hide from him in shame and fear, just like it did with Adam and Eve. You cannot abide in Christ and practice righteousness if you have unrepentant, ongoing sin in your life. Verse six, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. John is talking here about those people who continue to sin even after they have been made aware that what they're doing is wrong in the eyes of God. You may say, but Mark, everyone sins. Yes, that's true. But there is a big difference between those who struggle with sinning by, but continue to rely on Jesus in faith for forgiveness and for victory over sin and those who practice sinning by making it a way of life or a lifestyle. Remember, abide in Jesus and you will fend off the practice of sinning. Abide in Jesus and you will fend off the practice of sinning. If you're here today and you're struggling with unresolved sin in your life, we want to help you. We want to walk alongside of you and help you understand what God says about sin and how you can get victory or freedom from it. Please look with me at verse 7 through 9 now. There are a couple important distinctions that we want to see here. Verse 7, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Verse 7 tells us, let no one deceive you. There are people in our society today who no longer 
see sin as a bad thing or something that separates us from God. They now view sin as just a term used by old conservative Christians who are out of touch with today's world. They see sin or try to present sin as harmless, neutral, or imaginary. Sin is never harmless. Sin is never neutral or imaginary. Society will tell you that it's okay to practice sinning as long as no one gets hurt. But don't be deceived. Remember that in John 10.10, it tells us that Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. He is the great deceiver. And one of the ways that he deceives is by trying to make you believe that sin is harmless, neutral, or imaginary. As we said earlier, 1 Timothy tells us that Jesus came to save sinners. That's how bad sin is. Jesus had to leave heaven, come here, just so he could save us. Remember, verse 5 tells us that Jesus came to take away sin. Now we're going to take a moment and look at what verse 8 says about sinning. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Notice, if you practice righteousness, then you are righteous and of God. But if you practice sinning, then you are of the devil. And the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. That's what verse 8 tells us. So if you practice sinning, Jesus will be forced to destroy you when he returns. He will judge you and he will cast you into the fiery pit of hell. Not because he wants to, but because you have willingly and consciously decided to continue disobeying God by following the devil with your sinning. Remember, Jesus came to save sinners. Abide in Jesus and you will fend off the practice of sinning. Abide in Jesus and you will fend off the practice of sinning. Verse 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. If you are born of God, you cannot keep on sinning because God's seed, the Holy Spirit, abides in you. When the Holy Spirit abides in you, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is it convicts you of the sin in your life. He makes you uncomfortable with the unresolved, unrepentant sin that exists in your life. If that conviction about sin doesn't exist in your life, then according to God's word, you're not a child of his. Point number three, God's children will be like Jesus when he appears. God's children will be like Jesus when he appears. This is great news for the children of God. Please look with me at chapter three, verse two. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Notice that we are God's children now with all the struggles that this world has to offer, but when Jesus returns, it will all change. When Jesus returns, his children will become like him. On that day, the sanctification process that was started in us will be complete. 
we will not only see Jesus as he is, but we will be like him. We will be sinless, holy, and pure. We will have eternal bodies, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. So, how can we have confidence that we will be like him when he returns? Chapter 2, verse 28. Abide in him. Abide in Jesus and you can have that confidence. Abide in Jesus and you will fend off the practice of sinning. Abide in Jesus and you will fend off the practice of sinning. I want to finish this morning by telling you a story. Both of my kids grew up doing gymnastics. Zach started when he was around five, and Caitlin started when she was about four, and they both trained into high school. My wife and I spent countless hours at the gym. We would watch practices. We would help set up the gym equipment whenever they were going to have a gymnastics meet. I have even uh, been out on the floor and used some of the equipment. Believe it or not, I have walked the balance beam, got to the end of it, did a cartwheel off the end of it, and stuck it. Right? Impressive. I have also done the vault. I have ran down the runway, that's gymnastics lingo, jumped on the mini tramp, did a flip over the horse, and wait for it, and crashed and burned. It was absolutely ugly. There was no sticking that move unless you count me laying on the mat, moaning as sticking it. But after all those years of being involved in gymnastics and all that fancy lingo that I learned and all my not-so-great skills, you know what I wasn't? I wasn't a gymnast. I was a watcher of real gymnasts. And even though I did all of that stuff and knew all that fancy lingo, at the end of the day, I was just a watcher of real gymnasts. Don't be deceived by thinking because you come to church, grew up in church, or because you're involved in one of the church ministries, or because you understand the churchy lingo, that you're a child of God. Because none of those things make you a child of God. The, that only happens when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, and abide in him. Abide in Jesus and fend off the practice of sinning. Abide in Jesus and fend off the practice of sinning. Please pray with me. Thank you, Lord, that you cared so much for us, that you gave us your word, that we may know you and know what is required to be a child of yours. That you have made it clear what it means to abide in Jesus and practice righteousness in your eyes. For those this morning that your Holy Spirit is calling, I pray that they would respond to you with pure hearts. May you receive all the honor and glory. I ask this in Jesus, Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.